Today's passage is from Galatians 5, 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Welcome to Regeneration. Let me open us up in prayer here and we'll get started on our scripture this morning. Father, thank you so much for your word. We cherish it and we love it and we ask God that you would transform us through it, speaking to us, not just to impart to us knowledge and to give us conviction in our hearts and minds, but God, that we would be changed people, being more conformed into the image of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, our text ended with a pretty stern warning in verse 21 in chapter 5 of Galatians. Paul wrote, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, those things listed in verses 19 through 21, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And those were a list of evident works of the flesh, and those things may be debated by some who seek to justify some of those things on that list that those Things are okay for today because culture has changed, times have changed, things have changed. But the thing is, is that God's word never changes. And so God's word is clear that those works of the flesh equate to a sinful life. Now keep in mind that people at that time in that history were very much an agrarian society, much more familiar with agriculture and things such as gardening because they would grow their own fruits vegetables and they milked their own cows and goats and butchered their own animals and collected their own eggs and so a very agrarian society so these people were very familiar with agricultural references which is why Jesus taught with many of those references and so did Paul and so looking at one of these references let's take a look at Luke chapter 6 starting in verse 43 Jesus said for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Now, you catch a key verb in verse 46, the word do. See, there are things we are to do that bear good fruit, and there are things that we can do that bear bad fruit. And looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul wrote, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Those are works of the flesh that we do. We have choices to make, whether to partake in those works of the flesh, just as we have choices to live a life walking by the Spirit, right? Verse 16, or being led by the Spirit. Verse 18, crucifying the flesh. Verse 24, living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. Verse 25, those things that lead to doing something to bear good fruit. Now in verse 22, there's a change. There's a change in tone. There's a change 
in what's happening here from works done by the flesh to what is done by the Spirit in us. And I'd like to pause here and think about what typical Christian life is. To think about how we can know whether we have made a sincere step of faith in Jesus. How do we know if we've been regenerated? How do we know we've been transformed into being more and more like Jesus? What is the evidence that we are a Christian? Now, we're not talking about super Christian. We're not talking about Christian 2.0 or anything like that, right? We're just talking about a normal Christian. What does that look like? What is the evidence that someone is your average Christian, your everyday average Christian? And I think this is important to grasp because what we find here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 isn't the evidence of a more advanced Christian. It isn't a super Christian. It isn't a Christian that is more mature. This is a typical Christian who lives within the boundaries that we find here in the scriptures. Even though we are free in Jesus, we do live in boundaries. If you have questions, if that doesn't make quite a lot of sense to you, take a look at our previous messages in iTunes. That we have the freedom to say no to things that displease God, that dishonor God. Now you jump over to Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. And Paul wrote this to Titus, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. See, we have the freedom to say no. Right? A slave cannot say no. You are forced by a tyrant to do things against your will. See, God is not a tyrant. You are free. You are free to make choices. And to live, continuing on in Titus, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So what is the typical Christian? What is a normal Christian? Is it one who has repented of their sins, professed their faith in Jesus for salvation of sin? Yes. But what is the evidence of that repentance and that faith? You choose to say no to works of the flesh. And you choose to say yes to righteous living. And what you do is evidence of whether you are a follower of Jesus or not because it's not just what you say. The Spirit is evident in your life as you say and do as God wills. And Paul providing us a contrasting list of works of the flesh, right? The degenerating life in verses 19 through 21. And now we're moving into the fruit of the Spirit, a thriving life in verses 22 through 23. And like verses 19 through 21, verses 22 through 23 can just be kind of glanced over when we read Galatians. Right? We just kind of read it through. And some of you can spout off the fruit of the Spirit just like that. Just spout all of them through, but not pausing and thinking through what each one means. So let's take some time to think through what Paul described as the fruit of the Spirit. And the first thing I want to point out is the word fruit. The fruit of our lives is there, right? The fruit of our lives is there whether it's good fruit or bad fruit. Bad fruit is still alive, but it's just a degenerating fruit. Good fruit is also alive, but it is thriving. And whether you know it or not, you are producing fruit, whether that is good fruit or bad fruit. The only question is, what type of fruit are you producing? Each tree is known by its fruits, Jesus said. And if you claim to be a Christian, but you're producing bad fruit, Jesus has a question for you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, 
and not do what I tell you. See, the fruit of your life is evidence of who your Lord is. And if you have moved from darkness into light, is there evidence of that change? And we're not talking about perfection because we're not going to experience that in this world with the sin nature still in us. But is there evidence of the movement from darkness to light? Is the fruit changing from bad fruit to good fruit? Now back to the word fruit. You notice that it's not plural. Right? It's singular. And many times you talk to people and they say fruits of the Spirit. That's not correct. It's singular. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit of the Spirit. It's not individual fruits. You see, it's a package deal. You don't get to pick and choose which fruits. It's a package deal. And with the fruit of the Spirit, you can't have love without self-control. Right? You can't choose which ones you like and then disregard the rest. Right? You can say, like, I really want joy and peace and I want it now. Where's the patience? It's a package deal. It's one fruit. Now, there may be things within the fruit that are more pronounced in you than other things, right? So you take a tangerine, for example, and I think tangerine because I was recently at Berkeley Bowl West. And I want to make this important distinction between Berkeley Bowl and Berkeley Bowl West. Okay? Because I like it much more than the original Berkeley Bowl. Why? People are much nicer there. Way nicer. If you ever want to see a hippie who like professes love and joy and peace and like all these good things, right? But if you want to see them become a hypocrite, drive to Berkeley Bowl because you will see the most angry hippies you've ever met there. So I like Berkeley Bowl West. Anyway, back to tangerines. Out front, when I went to Berkeley Bowl West, was this huge crate of tangerines with leaves on them, right? And I thought, Lunar New Year's coming up. So the leaves are on there because they have to be there because for the Lunar New Year, the leaves symbolize longevity and the tangerines symbolize luck or gold. And so there they are. And so I'm there and I think that Berkeley Bowl West is thinking more about gold and stuff because those stems and leaves, I was just thinking, you know, those are extra weight. That's not really fruit. And if you take this whole crate and you put that, imagine how much extra gold that these guys are making off of those things. So I've thought in the past that I'm going to peel those things off and then put them in. Anyway, back to tangerines. For real this time, back to tangerines. There are some wedges within the tangerine that are larger than others. Right when you peel it open and there's some larger than others, there's some small ones. And but you know what? It's all the same fruit. You don't open it and it's like incomplete and it's only like half of a tangerine when you open it. Like, hey, what's up with that? Right? It's all there. And maybe goodness could be bigger in you, but it's still there. It still has to be there. Otherwise, it's not the fruit of the Spirit. It has to be there. And maybe you want faithfulness or you want some other wedge to be bigger. But know that every wedge of the fruit of the Spirit must still be in every Christian, just as every wedge must still be in every tangerine. And so it's normal to have the fruit of the Spirit as a Christian. It's not super Christian. It's not mature Christian. It's just normal. It's not... 
It's not something for us to just dismiss in our lives and just to say like, oh, that's not me because my temperament is not that way or whatever. This is, it's not this way. I wasn't brought up that way or whatever, right? And so some Christians have these excuses that, you know, it's my personality as to why one of these things is missing in my life because, you know, showing kindness just isn't in my personality type. I'm just more reserved by nature. And, and by nature, I'm just not gentle. You know, we grew up Chinese, so we don't talk gentle. We talk really mean. And, and it sounds like we're arguing, but we're not. It's not going to work. Maybe in the cultural context when you're speaking, then it works because, you know, you understand it. But we have to adapt, right? We have to adjust. And you're not exempt from possessing the fruit of the Spirit as a Christian. You're just not exempt from it. So the kindness and the gentleness and those things, you're not exempt from being kind. And sure, it may be a smaller wedge, but it can't be a missing wedge. And you can't dismiss any of these with your excuses as to why one or more of these isn't evident in your life. And these characteristics must be growing, thriving in us as the fruit of the Spirit grows in us. Now the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, two different things. Two very different things. And we've been looking at the gifts of the Spirit every second Wednesday of the month. And this last Wednesday we took a look at the gift of discernment. And each gift of the Spirit isn't given to every Christian. Some people have some spiritual gifts that others don't, and the spiritual gift set can be different from one person to the other person. We all have different gifts, right? Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, and then it goes on. Now gifts, they're very different from fruit. Gifts can vary from Christian to Christian, and they aren't something that every Christian possesses in terms of the same gift set. But the fruit of the Spirit is something that every Christian possesses. Every Christian possesses this. The fruit of the Spirit thriving in every Christian. That is normal. It's not for the extraordinary Christian. It is not just for the mature Christian. It's just an ordinary thing within a Christian. And it's not something that you and I can just conjure up within ourselves. The characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, they are natural results of the Spirit of God's presence within the life of a Christian. If there is no fruit of the Spirit, then there's no life. See, bad fruit degenerates. It does not thrive. And so we need the fruit of the Spirit for the thriving life. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now contrast this to verse 19, which is all about sexuality, which is all about lust. Love doesn't have to be part of the equation for verse 19, right? Verse 19 can exist without love. And those who practice such works of the flesh don't necessarily know what true love is. Love is defined in so many different ways by so many different people, but then who's right about their definition of love? This is what the Bible has to say about the love of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. 
people want to place the weight of love on emotions, on feelings, which is a part of love. But what ends up happening when we think love is just all about feelings and it's just all about emotions? What happens? You get duped by it. You get fooled by it. You get misled by your emotions and your feelings. Rather than love being a quality of our character and who we are in Jesus, we don't love simply out of emotions and feelings. Because if we did, then how do people we don't like, how do we love them? You don't have any good feelings towards them. You don't have any good emotions towards them. How do you love someone that you don't like? If it's just based off of feelings and emotions. You can't. See, I don't have to like you, but I do have to love you. And so, how is it that's even possible if it's just all based off of emotions and feelings? It's the Spirit of God that empowers us to love those who are so difficult for us to love. Verse 22, joy. See, joy is not dictated by the conditions affecting your situation. And yes, the joy is within you, but some of you, it goes back to this temperament thing, right? Like Some of you, you, you need to really tell your face. You really do. Right? I have joy within me. I'm so joyous. I'm so happy I'm a Christian. You can't be a Christian with a sourpuss face. You just can't do it. Like It's not possible. Right? Some people walk around, they're so grumpy and they're so grouchy and they're so unfriendly. How in the world can you share a gospel of Jesus like that? How can you share that? My answer to that is, I think you're not even sharing it. I don't think you're doing it. And I'm not saying be all fake about it, right? And I'm not saying like, oh, go be all, and you're really like Eeyore and you know, you're going out there. You're a Christian. Where's the joy? Just ask yourself, are you a joyful person? Because joy is a wedge in that fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Joy. Peace. Verse 22, peace. Those negative conditions that are there happening around you, those circumstances, those uncontrollable conditions that are happening in your life, do they control you or are you experiencing peace even in the midst of those really difficult, challenging circumstances? In the middle of all the mess and all the noise, how are you doing? John chapter 14, verse 27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now this doesn't mean that you won't experience hurt or loss or pain, broken hearts, because we all will. But in the middle of all of that, do you still experience peace? Patience. I need help with this one. Are you willingly ready to endure circumstances that are difficult, annoying, irritating, even hurtful? Can you do that? Kindness. Is our orientation for others, is, is it sensitive? Is it tender? Sympathetic? What are the corresponding actions 
from that orientation, are we cold? Are we uncaring? Are we superficial? Like, what, what is going on there? Goodness. Is our posture toward others virtuous? Are we honest? Do we have a moral integrity in dealing with people? Are we blameless? Are we decent people? Faithfulness. This is about being trustworthy, dependable, reliable. Can you be counted on? Can your yes be yes and your no be no? Can you exercise loyalty and integrity within your heart without compromise? In your relationship, in your words, in your actions, all of the characteristics in verse 22, these are not naturally in us. Right? They're not. These are all things that you kind of have to learn. Be taught and to catch it. And you have to exercise it and act upon it. See, you don't have to learn hate. You don't have to learn sadness. You don't have to learn war, impatience, cruelty, evil, faithlessness. You want me to prove it to you? Go to a preschool. Go to a preschool. And tell the, whoever's supervising the kids to remove themselves. You will see all of this happen. Hate, sadness, war, impatience, cruelty, evil, faithlessness. It will all happen in less than two minutes. Right? Because if you don't believe in a sin nature, you must just not have had kids yet. Quite honestly. If you haven't had a kid yet and you still don't believe in sin nature, just wait. Just wait. Because you don't have to teach them any of that stuff. You have to deprogram them out. You have to teach them out of that stuff, but you don't have to teach them any of that stuff. See, what needs to be taught, what needs to be shown as an example is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Then we move to gentleness. Gentleness, it's a willingness to surrender. Right? You don't have to have your way. Are you ready to submit to the will of God? Self-control, right? This self-discipline, the ability to exercise restraint, to have the willpower and the resolve to make good choices regardless of the outcome. Even if it doesn't benefit you. That you make good choices depending on your principle of righteousness according to God. And you notice that the bookends to the fruit of the Spirit are love and self-control. And now contrast that fruit of the Spirit with the evident works of the flesh in verses 19 through 21. And so it is obvious in verse 23, against such things there is no law. Because when these qualities are in people, what need is the law? And for the Christian, this is normal. This is normal. It is normal to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. This is not some super Christian thing. This is not some thing that you have to wait for. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. It is normal for the Christian to walk as children of the light and to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. To take no part in unfruitful works of darkness. It's normal for the Christian to please God. 
Following Jesus is a really, really simple thing. But it's not easy. It's not easy. But it's simple. And I'm concerned that the definition of who a Christian is, what a Christian does, how a Christian lives, has been compromised. Because we have this thought sometimes that believing a Christian and these qualities of the fruit of the Spirit is something unusual. It is something abnormal. That is something for a Christian that's been walking with God for years or that has been more mature or who has developed. And it's not. This is just normal. And so I kind of want to make sure that we have a new normal. That this fruit of the Spirit is normal. Verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is something we do in our proactive rejection of sin. We crucify the flesh. We crucify that sin nature with its passions and desires. We might not fully comprehend what that means or how that looks, but if there was a real regeneration, transformation, conversion of who you were in the flesh to who you became in the Spirit, then in your confession of faith to Jesus, you were in the process of crucifying your flesh, nailing your sin nature to the cross, proactively rejecting your flesh. Now this was mentioned last week, and you notice, have crucified, that it's in the past tense. Have crucified. It's something that happened in the past with your faith in Jesus. When you confessed your faith in Jesus, when you came to faith, but there's this present action that continues with the follower of Jesus. Your flesh was crucified at conversion and the evidence of that conversion is a present life by the Spirit keeping in step with the Spirit. There's a present continual happening right now. Right? Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily. It's not an option not to take up your cross and it's not something that's done every once in a while. That denying of self, that taking up of a cross is daily when following Jesus. Life with Jesus all the time. And we must know that we're not doing this alone. He's left us His Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16, And I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, there are choices for us to make. But it's not just a list of do's and don't do's that is just kind of done on our own. The Spirit leads and then we walk. And the thing is, the more you walk in the Spirit, the easier it gets. And the more you walk in the flesh, the easier that gets. Right, so where are you with walking with the Spirit or walking with the flesh this morning? There's a teaching in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20-23 that is really helpful with what we're looking at this morning. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. So in a house of means... Right There's the fine china that comes out during the special occasions and people eat. But there's also these other vessels that are used for other things. 
some for honorable use, right? So soup, your nice bowl, that china that you put soup in and with gold and silver. Now that's for soup because you're not going to use that for anything else. Some for dishonorable. So there's this bowl out on the pasture there that you use for scooping out manure for your garden. Okay? You don't use that fine china of gold and silver for scooping manure for your yard work. You don't do that. And you don't eat out of the bowl that is used to scoop manure out of the garden for yard work. Two separate uses, right? Verse 21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. This also means that if anyone doesn't cleanse himself from what is dishonorable, he will remain a vessel for dishonorable use and not ready for every good work. Here we are, verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So we have these instructions from God's Word, and yet we see how few take the Lord's Word to heart. And it's not just today, but the same thing was happening in biblical history and the same thing is happening in our church that was happening in the early church. Where there's a small minority who is serious about their relationship with God and is wanting to be used for honorable use. Now you look at the 12 guys Moses sent out to scout out Canaan. How many came back with optimistic, positive, honorable use? Two. Two out of the 12, right? It was only Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them, they didn't want any part of it. They don't want to go for it. And I don't think that much has changed in terms of that 80-20 rule, right? I mean, the odds were a little bit actually worse. And I think it is a little bit worse for the church. I think for the church, it's more like 5 to 10%. But for the regular world, there's this 80-20 rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 80% of the people do 20% of the work. It's not that much different. And you look at any church, and that ratio is pretty consistent. Actually, it's more 90-10, more than 80-20 at churches. Now, if you want to look at the vital sign of a church... What do you look at? Because most people think that you look at church budgets, church buildings, and church attendance. You don't. You look at prayer. Look at prayer. And you look at most churches and you even look at them and see, is there even a time that they have an organized corporate prayer? Most don't. Most don't. They've done away with that time because people don't show up. And we wonder why some churches are just anemic. That not much is being done. That what's the difference between that church and a community center or a social networking civic thing or philanthropic thing? Is there a time of corporate prayer? If there is, way under 10% attendance. Way under. And some churches think that everything is fine with their church because they have a good attendance and they own a building and they have big budgets. But the real important vital sign to look at is not how many bench warmers there are, but how many people are in the fight. How many people are entering the fight? See, the church has never, ever had so much technology. We've never had so much history to learn from. We've never had so much education available at our fingertips. 
Right? Even just 15 years ago, what took me so many hours to do, I can do in minutes with Greek or Hebrew or commentaries or maps, anything. With the software we have nowadays, it's so fast. We've never had the expertise we've had in marketing, in branding, in management, in fundraising, in business, in grant writing, in conferences. We have conferences on everything. Everything, right? Worship, preaching, leadership, uh, marriage, raising kids, counseling, missions, youth ministry, children's ministry, multiculturalism, social justice, missions, urban ministry. You name it, we have a conference for it. And if we don't, we'll start one. We have it. Yet how many Christians are honorably used today? Even though we have so much. We have so much. There are a lot that go out to conferences. There are a lot that go out to churches. Very few that go out to fight. A ton of bench warmers. Out of a dozen called into service, only two. Joshua and Caleb. Which one are you? As a Christian, you are called to service. You have been commissioned by God to make disciples of Jesus. Are you one of those ten? Or are you one of the two? Joshua and Caleb. How unfortunate to be a follower of Jesus and be of no honorable use. Scooping manure for the garden. And it's not just for our faith. It would be unfortunate to be a follower of Jesus and not be an honorable spouse, an honorable parent, a sibling, child, employer, employee, student. How are we living our lives? And whatever place we find ourselves in to be of honorable use to Jesus, walking by the Spirit, where the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives, for us to get off the bench. Get off the bench. And stop messing around on the bench. Messing around with sin and compromising on your character. And get in the fight. Get in the fight. You can't be honorably used practicing sin. Habitually sinning. And the Bible's really serious about this. And if it wasn't, it sure wouldn't use the picture of crucifixion. It wouldn't use the picture of death. Right? It would use a more mild picture. But they're using crucifixion as the picture here. How many of us need to repent? How many of you need to act upon the Spirit's prompting in your life? You know, when you hear that still small voice instructing you not to look at that pornography or to share the Gospel with that person or to give that food or money that you have to the poor, or not to say what's on your mind because that's actually gossip. At those times of decision, we have choices to make that feed the flesh or that feed the Spirit. And the Spirit prompts, but He doesn't stop the movie that you're watching. He doesn't stop the flipping of those pages. He doesn't stop what you are actively choosing to do. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He's using a really serious word here. Crucified. You don't toy with your sin nature. You don't toy with your flesh. You kill it. You kill it. You kill the things that prevent you from deepening your relationship with God. 
And you know what? It doesn't happen quickly because crucifixion was not a quick death. It's a slow death where the victim was nailed to the cross and he was dying slowly. Don't rescue the sin that you've nailed to the cross. Let it die. Don't pull it down and then put it back up and then pull it down and pull it back up. Keep it there. Let it die. Keep it on the cross. When you live by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, denying that, kill it. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here we have these three common snares of living in the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. Be careful about this. Right? Be careful about being self-righteous, about being judgmental, about being jealous. And the normal Christian has an evident fruit of the Spirit who lives by the Spirit and is proactively rejecting sin in their life. We need the Spirit. We need to be of honorable use by God. Let's pray. Father, I'm sure there are some who are of wanting to be of honorable use to You. And I ask God, by Your Spirit, You would empower them, that You would lead them to making wise, righteous, godly choices. Denying their flesh, denying their sin nature, crucifying. I ask God that Your Spirit would move to bring people to repentance who need to repent. God, that You would get people off of the bench. That You would get them in the fight to serve You. Father, how we need You to not be an anemic church to be an indifferent church. Father, please help us in Jesus' name. Amen.